Ohanga. My name is Maggie, and today we'll be speaking with Dan. All right, Dan, so tell me, what kind of art do you do? Oh, Maggie, I'm an oil painter. Um, I paint what I see, representational, but with some impressionist qualities. I work mostly from my own photographs, using digital software to crop and compose a derivative image, a derivative image, um, according to the size of canvas I'm using, and uh, I then use that as a reference painting, although I don't try to paint it exactly. I uh, don't use photos from other people unless something special I've asked to do with permission. Uh, I can paint plain air, I can paint sitting models, but uh, the method I use for painting usually requires studio work. And I have a studio which uh, I enjoy. Um, Great. <laughs> so how did you get involved with art? Uh, it was a long uh, process because I attended a high school in the uh, in Alaska, very rural, and there was no art teaching there. Uh, so I did not have any art experience prior to graduating from uh, college, actually. Um, and uh, I must say that my experience in Alaska, even as a child, though, uh, was spiritual. Uh, it was kind of like the Romantics, their spot in time where uh, I experienced a sudden awakening of the sense of God and things in the universe by the beauty around me in Alaska. And uh, that went inside me. So I had an artistic experience uh, experience up there without having the skill and, and the knowledge of how to put that out. Uh, but later I went to uh, Anchorage to teach with my wife, uh, teach English actually, not art. And there she uh, gifted me with uh, an art lesson with a local artist. And uh, from there, um, I joined a group who painted regularly at the community college. Uh, with a, a person who was named Wasley Summers. Now, Wasley was a well-known regional artist up there in Alaska and uh, a Russian, fairly irascible Russian. Uh, and he was, a, he was a very good teacher though. He, he knew art. He had uh, come out of the concentration camp, uh, Auschwitz, and studied with Oscar Kokoschka in England. He went to the Pennsylvania Academy of Art, Fine Arts and married, and then ended up in Alaska. He became the teacher I knew. Uh, his wife uh, became a friend, as did he, uh, although none of us ever knew his real name. He came out of Auschwitz, changed his name, and nobody ever knew his history before that. Wow. Um, but I studied with him for about 10 years while I lived in Alaska teaching English. So I learned how to paint there. But, uh, and, and he was probably my biggest influence, although I did have a some uh, instruction from a, a fellow named Sergey Bongard in, in California uh, in a big workshop, uh, which taught me some about color. He was another Russian artist uh, who possibly sent me to. Uh, so those were my influences. Uh, and they were, uh, because of Kokoschka and Impressionists and so on, my, my painting is not uh, you know, as representational as some, but, but pretty real. Uh, I, I, I do, you know, uh, I do some things with color that uh, aren't expected, but okay. in general, I, I like to paint what I feel and what I see. Um, what motivates me most is, is uh, beautiful things and sometimes old things and sometimes people, but uh, I'm motivated by the things I see around me most. I want to represent them to others and uh, color, figure, sense of purpose also is why I do art, I wanted to, to do something. Um, so themes, I guess, would be that 
and as you can probably tell from looking at me, I, I'm not a young artist. I'm not an emerging artist. Um, I returned to it. You know, once I retired, I was able to do art without the, the restriction of having to make money, which with a family, I raised three children, grandchildren now. Uh, with a family for most of my career, I could not do art to make money. I had to teach. So art was on the back burner. And when I retired in 2010, I was able to come back to it and reinvent myself. I'm no longer a teacher. I now regained my skill by practice and working with artists in Rhode Island. I started at Wickford and moved to other, other uh, groups that I joined uh, and basically regained the skill I learned in my youth to come back to it. And because I now am retired with an income and a solid basis for living, I don't have to sell art to do it, which to me means that I can preserve my perceptions and uh, bring an idea of people, places, and things that I see around me uh, and, and leave them behind when someday I'm not here, leave them behind for my children and my children's children, which is basically my purpose in doing art. Uh, I, I, again, obstacles to doing it were mostly the financial aspect of raising a family. Uh, I couldn't raise a family on, on the knowledge I had because it, you know, it wasn't grounded young enough in my youth to come out and be an artist before I married, before I had a family. Um, the uh, workplace and the place I have now is perfect. It's, uh, I have a full room, uh, which I have uh, a number of favorite objects in it. And uh, it, it's a bit messy because I have lots of art stored here. Uh, lots of art that I'd, I'd like to put out, which I do occasionally, but it keeps coming back. It doesn't all get sold. And as I continue to do art, it builds up. So I have a messy art room, but uh, plenty of space. And I have in it uh, my some of my favorite things. Uh, I don't know, you, over my shoulder is a, about a 65-year-old uh, Grumbacher easel that was willed to me by my art teacher, Wassily. Mm -hmm. uh, it was his. It came back to Rhode Island uh, from Alaska, so it's been around. Next to it, I have a baby changing table I picked up on the street. I removed a couple slats, and it's the perfect size because I paint standing. Uh, it has a drawer for my oils and under it a shelf for my acrylics. Uh, and it holds my favorite uh, palette, which is a, a large, wide butcher tray that I've used for 40 years. And every time it gets messy, I just put oven spray on it and, uh, and uh, clean it off and it's bright white again. So those are my favorite things that I use to paint with. And uh, that, that's, that's where I am. On Mondays and Tuesday mornings, I, I'm allowed to be here unhampered without phone calls or interference from family. <laughs> so they, these are my mornings as uh, to paint and to do art. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm restricted, but that means that's my unencumbered time. So I get at least two mornings a week uh, with, with that in the studio, where I am now speaking. Uh, my ultimate goal, of course, is to leave behind a, a reflection of who I am, who I was, and uh, what I saw in the world while I was here. Uh, being at the uh, you know, further end of, of growth, uh, being a little older than many of the artists you work with, 
um, I have a sense that I am going to be leaving a lot behind. And I don't know what'll happen. I've talked to others of my age and we don't always know what happens with the large stacks of art we have. But I've painted all my grandchildren numerous times. I've even painted with them painting with me on the same painting. So I saw that, that in your article, that's amazing. Uh, what I leave behind will be on their walls. They won't want to get rid of that, it won't be hidden. It's, it's nice, I like it. And uh, many people have reacted to that concept. Um, so uh, I guess you, what I can tell you is the art that I do is what's in me. It's part of my spirit, it's part of what I want to be. And uh, it comes out uh, in my own expression, my own way. Um, I don't take instruction easily because I, I don't want to be constricted by others' ideas. So that's, that's me. And uh, I, I do often create the art for a specific purpose, uh, as you know, I, I've written about. Uh, whether it's to uh, help someone or just to, uh, to for posterity or history, uh, you know, various reasons. But uh, I don't like just to make money. It doesn't mean I'm against it. I will take money for my art. Uh, and if I'm requested to do something, uh, I, I will take a little money for it. But that's not my purpose. That's not you know, what I'm about. So that's as much as I can say uh, with your prompts, but uh, what else would you like to know? Wow, that was beautiful. You basically hit every single question very, very eloquently. So thank you for, thank you for preparing so well. I'll just add some additional questions just to clarify the timeline. Um, so you were born in Alaska. No, I was born in Western New York and I moved to Alaska um, to stay with an aunt and uncle when I was 13 and ended up in a Jesuit mission, which was the only school where they lived. And I love that. I'm still connected with many of the Native Americans that were in the mission and many of the people that were there as volunteers. Um, still connected and still uh, uh, feel a part of that community. Uh, but what happened is I came back to Western New York to become educated. So uh, and married and then went back to Anchorage where I taught for 10 years. And that's where I got my art education. Wow. So at the, end of, you... at the end of 10 years, I returned back to central New York and spent 25 years teaching teachers how to employ technology in their classrooms as it was emerging. So it was a very creative environment for the job. Uh, I spent probably 40 percent of my time learning new technologies to bring it back and teach people. Needless to say, I didn't have much time for art then. I did some. I connected up with art teachers, of course, uh, having to learn the very first Photoshop rudimentarily to teach them and then back <laughs> off and watch it off. And that's what I did much of my career. I learned enough to be dangerous, show other people and move on. And most of my career there was involved with online activities, bringing uh, telecommunications into classrooms which is where I got some national recognition and did some writing and a lot of uh, development projects uh, throughout that time. In fact, if I was still working, I retired 10 years ago, if I was still working, I'd be on top of it because I worked with uh, how to enable course environments to be put online back in the year 2000, 2010. I was particularly involved with a company called Blackboard as well as teaching in 50 school districts. So that was a creative, it was a very creative career. But when I came to Rhode Island, uh, I decided I was doing that. I, I consulted for a year or two, and then the technology took off beyond me, of course. 
and I went to my art. I joined a group of artists just painting on Tuesdays in Wickford and started to meet people. And I started to realize that the skill could come back if I did enough and worked at it. And I did. I joined that group, joined a number of other groups. I'm, I'm now the president of a group that's emerging in my town here. Uh, it's been underground for the past year, of course. Yeah. But for the past 10 years, I've been learning how to paint again, meeting people, and uh, basically um, showing my work in a lot of different uh, associations and, and, and different uh, uh, art shows that are done, but not in galleries. I have not ever necessarily wanted to go to a gallery where prices were so high and my work would be sitting. So I have not had an opportunity to really be out there that way. But I'm known to most most of the good artists in Rhode Island, uh, and uh, continue to enjoy uh, doing what I do. And when were you in California? California, I went to California in 1978 for the summer to spend with a group of artists that Sergey Ongard and uh, two others. Uh, they did art sessions, mostly for Hollywood types, a lot of stars and a few wow. a few actors and so on. <laughs> And I came in from Alaska, pasty white. They, they thought I was funny. <laughs> uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a challenge because I, I wasn't very good by the standards of some of them. But I learned a lot and brought it back. And uh, it's been residing in my brain for a long time. Okay. And so you said that you taught English in Alaska. Was that when you, like after getting married, when you moved back again? Uh, yes, I moved back to Anchorage in 1970 and taught from 70 to 80, high school level, taught English. Okay. And what did you study in college? Was it English? Yes. Yes, okay. not art. No, I had almost no, no formal art instruction until I, I became a, an English teacher. Right. And on the side. Okay. And so you mentioned that when you got to Rhode Island, you kind of, you know, practice and relearn the technique and... So does that mean there was a pause between when you were painting in Alaska and when you started again after retirement? Yes, almost almost 40 years. Now, wow. during that time, I painted occasionally whenever I could. Uh, when I first returned from Alaska, I tried to paint in West Central New York for a while, but it was very difficult. Uh, the move back took a lot, uh, supporting family, I three children being raised. Um, and I had many, many jobs as an educator, you know, you, you can't keep a family on one job. Yeah. So I had many jobs and uh, the art was always on the back burner. It was always there. Uh, I did a little, but was never able to really uh, engage with it. I was never an artist until I was able to leave the profession of education. And even okay. though people sometimes ask me to teach about my art, uh, I will, you know, I will talk about it and show it, but I don't want to be a formal instructor. I want to do art. So okay. that's what and I am. After having discovered art, did you ever wish you had studied that instead? Um, yes, I think so. Although I have two sons who studied art. One is oh. a medical illustrator by his training. The other was a, a classical animator by his college training and neither could find meaningful work in their fields. Oh. So they both are doing different things now. Uh, the classical animator came out of uh, a, an excellent Canadian school and couldn't stay in Canada. They wouldn't let him work there. 
And wow. Dis Disney released all their classical animators the same year he graduated. And they outsourced everything overseas. So he had a tough time. He, he tried to uh, do his profession, you know, uh, freelance. Had some success, but not much. So he began, a, he became a bookseller on Amazon, buying a rare and selling rare books and continues to buy and sell various items on Amazon to support himself. The medical illustrator uh, became a, uh, a technologist uh, uh, working in Silicon Valley and uh, he, he's now a locksmith. Wow. So, so the art field was not good to my boys. Uh, they simply didn't hit it right. Uh, and, and so I don't regret going that route. I saw what happened, how hard it is to uh, exit college and get into a meaningful, lucrative career enough to support family and so on. Right. So would you have any advice for you know emerging artists or people who did discover art very early like your sons did? Um, Almost the same kind of advice I'd give many people today, and that's to understand the career you want, what it takes to get there, and to do as much practical work before you think about college even, because college doesn't necessarily get you um, the career you want. It can, and it is a stepping stone, but it's not absolutely necessary. There are many fields where you can get training and become very good at what you do if you have to support yourself with art. So you need to really look at the field and see what it takes, not look yeah. at the college and understand the courses they give. Yeah, a common complaint we get from a lot of artists is that, you know, they go to art school and they learn how to do art, but they never learn how to translate that into an actual job or career in the actual market. Exactly. Um, I usually urge young people, as we did with my daughter, when she started expressing a desire to do something in a career, uh, she said, I want to be a veterinarian when she was in seventh grade. So we took her to Cornell and we introduced her to the people there and said, what does she need to do to become a veterinarian? And they told her and she did it. She did everything they told her. She ended up back at Cornell and ended up becoming a veterinarian. It's the same thing with somebody who wants to be an artist or an engineer. They should go out and talk to people who are in that field, who are illustrators, who are medical illustrators or whatever. Find out what it took for them to get there so that you have a path and do it as young as possible. That's what I advise people to do. Artists the same. Understand what kind of artist you want to be and then go talk to the people who are those artists. Okay, yeah. Does your artwork center on, I know you said that you take inspiration from, you know, the spaces around you, color, figures. Are there any particular themes in terms of like certain sceneries or certain like activities that you tend to paint more of? Well, I moved to Rhode Island, which, you know, from Alaska to Rhode Island, it was the furthest thing from my mind that grew. Uh, but I ended up here because that's where my daughter and my grandchildren are. So when we retired here, I started looking around and what did I see? Uh, I saw ports and I saw harbors. I saw old boats. I saw sailboats and I saw people painting a lot of the sailboats. Okay, that's fine. But the old, old boats I saw reminded me of Alaska and the fishing industry. I was involved somewhat through friends. 
and uh, through where I lived in Valdez and Cordova, different little towns on the coast. I saw the old boats and I saw Carrick, I saw color, I saw history. So I, I went out and took photos and did some painting on site and did a lot of the old boats to start and get regain my skills with that as a theme because they're disappearing. And uh, again, they have character, they have color, they, they have meaning. So I painted a lot of the old boats, had a whole series of those. Um, then I went with a, uh, I was doing a little plain air at a beach and a fellow walked by as he was putting his Hobie catamaran in the water with, with a, a small group, walked by and said, I like that. Maybe you could paint something for us. And I said, well, maybe. So he invited me to a uh, regatta of Hobie cats. And I, I said, okay, but how do I get photos? And how do I get these when they're out on the water and so on? I don't, I'm not a good photographer. And I use my little cameras, but I'm not a good photographer. So I, I, I know a good photographer. Uh, his name is Paul Murray. He lives here in Jamestown, not far from me. I asked Paul if he would go with me to the regatta one Saturday morning. He said, sure. So he brought his good camera gear with his long lenses. He took hundreds of pictures for me. I took some, gathered them on a thumb drive, and he gave it to me. I've been using that. And when I started to paint, I thought, okay, a lot of people paint boats on the water. But I see these people that love their boats. They're leaning over, they're setting up. And they had all these images. So I started to look at them with uh, Photoshop. I used elements, photo elements, not, not the full Photoshop, because that's difficult. I don't need to go that way. I can, but I don't. Um, and I started to look for the pictures I wanted to paint of the people and started doing paintings just because. And lo and behold, some of those people saw the paintings and they immediately bought them. And I thought, they like them. They like the paintings and they want something for themselves that's meaningful. And I didn't charge much, you know, so that they, they got a good deal and I got some money, I could continue. And so I've done a series of those and I discovered that I can post those on the Hobie Cat site that has 3,500 members around the world. And wow. then when I post them, I get all, I get hundreds of likes and I get some inquiries about commissions. And when I tell them the fee, some come, some don't. I've done some commissions and, and I, I continue to do them because I still have this treasure trove of images from my photographer friend. And I've been invited to regattas this summer if they have last summer they did, to go and continue doing that kind of thing. And I like that because uh, the people are, they buy them for gifts for their father or their brother or their husband. They love them because they love their boats. So that's fun. And then I've done all my grandkids and uh, I will do people occasionally, but uh, portraits are tough. Uh, you know, you, you have to please often not only the person you're painting, but the person who buys it for the person you're painting. And their expectations, right? The expectations. I've had a couple of real bad bad events like that, and a couple of really good ones. But I, I will do portraits too. I haven't been doing many from life, from life sitters. I, I was working, uh, going to attend a session with live sitters just prior to the uh, pandemic and then that closed down. So I'll probably go back because that's, that's fun too. That's different, being yeah. with a group who can paint portraits. I'm talking a lot. 
What else? That's great. So that's what I need. <laughs> Are any of your grandchildren showing any artistic tendencies or creative tendencies? Oh, yes. I have four grandchildren. They they are very free with their art. My grandson, the oldest, who's 13, just 13 now, he thinks he's a man already. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, is a very excellent cartoonist, and he's been taking uh, acrylic painting with a, a local teacher here for the last couple of years, and it's quite good. My daughter herself, who's the veterinarian, is excellent, but she doesn't have much time. She just had a, a best friend's dog she had to put down. Oh. So she gave her best friend the portrait she did of the dog and the cat that she had. It was excellent. I helped That's her frame it. So she gave that as a gift, and she's good. The grandchildren are all very, uh, very uh, well with art. Whether they'll go in that area, that direction, who knows? Who knows? But uh, they come to my studio and I have the little easels for them and I'll set them up occasionally. With the pandemic, I've been unable to do that. So we're, yeah. I'm just getting ready to come back now. Uh, we're vaccinated and almost Yay. ready. Great. Yeah. All right. What I think is my last question is, so when you were younger, before you know, going to college, discovering art afterwards, what did you, did you see yourself as an educator? when you grew up? Let's, let's put it this way, that the experience with the Jesuits in Alaska, where most of the kids were Alaska natives, many of them orphans, uh, and from families that were, they had no schools out in the bush. Um, some of the teachers I had there, they were volunteers. Some of them were from the Boston area, they're from all over the country, as well as the Jesuits themselves who came out of Gonzaga. They were really good teachers. They would teach us during the day and take us out hunting. We would wow. fish. I mean, it was a life experience and I, I really liked the teaching. Uh, I had a good teacher before I even went to Alaska that I really liked. So that, that and the fact that I came from a fairly uh, poor background uh, meant that teaching was a really a big step up for me if I could be one. And, and I loved reading, I loved writing. And uh, in Alaska, I read every book they had in that school. <laughs> I mean, I, and, you know, when I was in ninth grade, I read Kristen Lavra and Stoddard. I read uh, just tons of books that were, had been donated with the school and became a real reader and a pretty good writer. So um, that's where I went with college because I needed and wanted a career that had security. My father, who was a hard worker, didn't have the security. He was bounced out of a couple jobs when steel mills closed, that kind of thing. I didn't want a job that came without security and teaching provided security. Not a lot of money, not wealth, but security. And now I'm benefiting from it. Yeah. Can you, do you mind talking a little more about the Jesuit institution? You said it was a mission? It was a Catholic mission called Copper Valley School. It was uh, it, it was built by donations from all around the country. Uh, it was fairly good size. Uh, it was built in Glen Allen, which is 200 miles out of Anchorage in high country where I've seen 60 below weather. It was built there uh, gradually from the 1950s to about 1958 when they flew a large number of the kids from a mission out west, in the western part of Alaska, uh, closed up and they flew those kids in and uh, formed 
again, the mission. And I ended up because my aunt and uncle I stayed with, and my uncle was in charge of a road camp on the road in the town. And there was no school there. So I ended up going to the mission as a day student. And then gradually my parents came up, uh, my father to look for work, reinvented himself as a baker. Wow. Moved into Valdez, Alaska, which was 115 miles south of the school. So I boarded at the school for the next two years and lived with the kids there. Got to know people who became leaders in the native community all over the state. And I'm still in touch with many of them. And we've been back several times for reunions because they meet on the site. Wow. School, school burned down in the 70s. Oh. They still meet on the site. But we're all getting older. And the group is uh, being winnowed down a little bit. Uh, we lost two members of my class this last year. It's sad. But that happened. But I love the place. It was mo most beautiful. Most beautiful place. Okay. And you were there until high school? I, what happened was uh, my aunt died and I came back east. My parents moved back to the Buffalo area. So I returned at the end of my junior year of high school there. Graduated, got scholarships to go to college, went to Niagara University, got my degree there, got a master's degree before I returned to Alaska. By Sorry, time, what university? I went to Niagara University. Okay. Right. Uh, and uh, got a bachelor's in English there. Then went to a state university for my master's degree while I taught in Hamburg High School, taught English. It was the high school I graduated from my senior year, went back and taught. Then I had uh, an opportunity to teach in the, I looked for an opportunity to teach in Anchorage and took my new wife, uh, five months pregnant, drove across the country, went up there and taught in Anchorage at a local high school there for 10 years and uh, built a cabin on the Kenai. Wow. Uh, you, yeah, beautiful. Again, the beauty up there is, it, it never goes away. You know, it's, it's in the most unbelievable area to go if you're an artist or have any artistic desires. That's mm -hmm. the place to be. So my history is kind of uh, different. You know, again, the, uh, uh, the Alaska experience is quite amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I, looking at going back again for another visit soon. I hope you can do that as soon as possible. Well, I want to take all my children if I can, maybe even grandchildren. Have they, ever been, have they ever come to Alaska with you? Uh, two of them were born there. Okay. My, my daughter said she was made in Alaska because she was born about a week after we returned. <laughs> uh, and only my oldest son was eight years old when we left. So he's the only one with real memories. Okay. So, so I'd like to take the others back, show them where the cabin is. It still exists, although it's you know not much now. Yeah. Um, show them what I, what I know of the place. Love to do that. Great. All right. Is there anything else you think is important for people to know about your story? Um, no, only that uh, I, I found it uh, beneficial to change, not retire. I didn't, I didn't quit. I didn't retire. I just reinvented. You pivoted. I became the artist when I retired. And I now know a lot of artists who are retired who took the same route. It's, a, it's not a bad thing to be an older artist because you often don't have the restrictions of youth.